Welcome to episode 45 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. It is also brought to you by Soap is King, the official soap sponsor of the coronavirus soap revolution. My name is Bethany, and do you want to introduce yourself? I have a guest, of course. Yes, um, my name is Morgan, and I'm so honored to be here today. <laughs> this, is, this is so cool. I'm really excited to have you. I like having friends on, like internet friends and stuff. Yes. And do you want to tell them where we met? We met at the North Texas Teen Book Festival. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong, you had not listened to the podcast up until after we met, right? I had listened to the beginnings of Cinder and then I had dropped off because I like cycle through like what I'm listening to because I, I can listen to audiobooks and stuff at work. So I cycle a lot of times through what I'm what I'm listening to. But I have listened to all of Scarlet that you've done. Do you want to tell everybody about your relationship with Marissa Meyer? Do you remember the first book you read by her and how you found it? The first book where you realized you loved her? Yes, I actually remember exactly how I was introduced to Marissa Meyer. So this was, it was probably 2014, I think. And I was in Target and my husband and I were walking around and I always like, he, if he couldn't find me, I was probably in the book section. So I was there and I saw this book and it had this gorgeous black cover with just this like red sash or something going across it. And I was like, oh my God, this book looks gorgeous. And so I picked it up and I read, I looked at it and I was like, crap, it's a sequel. Okay. I guess I'll go. And they didn't have, they didn't have the first book there. Oh, I was like, (laughs) okay, well, I guess, I guess I'll go home and look it up. So I went home and I immediately downloaded Cinder. uh, I downloaded the ebook for Cinder and I started it. And I got through Cress like within the week. <laughs> like I was, I was through Cress within the week. And so then I had to wait for winter to come out. But in between, so then in between me reading Cress and winter, Ferris had come out. So I was like, oh, well, I have a little something, <laughs> something to get me through until winter came out. And then as soon as winter came out, I, I read it and then I was like, oh crap, what do I do now? Like I'm a sucker for fairy tales and. I love retelling and like it was just it it was everything because I've read so many retellings and this was just so different and the way that she weaves everything so seamlessly together like just thinking about it right now like it gives me chills like her writing everything I just I love her writing I love this story I love these characters like and I I'm so happy to be talking about it with you <laughs> Yeah, one of the things I love is how everything kind of weaves together in ways that you don't expect. Do you know what your favorite book by her is out of any series? Hands down, Cress. Yes, mine too. (laughs) Hands Uh, down. I mean, you would understand if I told you like how many times I've listened to this series or reread this series. Like I'm probably going on 10 times going (laughs) through the series. And there have been a few times where I'm like, I don't want to go through Cinder. And then I specifically start at Scarlet because I want to get to the other characters. So then I can get to <laughs> like, 
And there have been times where I just read Cress or just read now, Cress in Winter. Like it's <laughs> having read the books so many times. And now I know that you're a Patreon member. You just joined Patreon as well. Yeah. Do any of those Easter eggs surprise you or was all of them like, oh, no, I know that because I've read it so many times. To be honest, I need to go back through it and and go through those. I kind of wanted to sit like once we did this, then I wanted to sit and go back through them. I'm trying not to get my brain too far <laughs> past this chapter. So like. Yes, I feel I feel like if I read anything else, I'm going to my brain is going to go farther than than just this chapter. <laughs> it's it's very so. hard not to spoiler. It is. I I definitely have to, you know, make some cuts sometimes when I accidentally mention something or a guest accidentally mentioned something. I definitely have to watch myself because I try really hard to stay on top of things. So sometimes I read ahead like next week. Because of other people's schedules, I'm actually recording two episodes in like a five day period. So okay. I have to get all the notes and stuff ready. So I have to read it. But then it's like, okay, I need to make sure this, you know, stays on this side of my brain. And jeez, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's difficult, but not in a bad way. I love doing all the Easter eggs. And one of the best things about the Patreon is getting to talk to everybody in the Easter egg chat box and in the spoiler chat box because we have just some. Some really good open discussions that I, I sometimes want to mention on the podcast. And then I'm like, no, no, because that would be a spoiler. You know, I have to save that. I have to pocket mm-hmm. that and save it for later. Or everybody can go join Patreon and then they'll see it. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely join the Patreon. Because you're a, a brand new member, so you haven't gotten a chance to really explore everything yet. No, I just joined like last week, I think a lot that's happened in recently because of everything that's going on. Like it's really crazy out there. (laughs) Yeah. And I hope that everybody is staying safe and happy and healthy. It's as of two hours ago. Yeah. Two hours ago, Mississippi has been put under a shelter in place. So I've been practicing as much social distancing as possible, only going to the store when I need to and things like that. I do eat nothing but vegetables and fruit. (laughs) And my husband is on a very strict, like, pretty much carnivore keto diet. Mm-hmm. So we we go to the grocery store frequently, unfortunately. So now we're we're just going to live off what we have in the house. I even told him, I was like, we have stuff in the house. Like, we don't need to go to a grocery store. We don't need to stock up. Like, you know, if we have to eat a box of mac and cheese and a can of Progresso soup, that's just how we're going to deal. <laughs> yeah, no, you'll <laughs> make do. Yeah. yeah, my doctors put me on a new diet and a Mediterranean diet. And then I went in the kitchen. So I made myself a salad for dinner. And then I yeah. went in my cabinet and was like, okay, what can I put on my salad? And then I open it up and it's just carbs. I'm like, oh, let's just close that. One of my favorite underrated things to put on a salad is radish shreddings. Oh, yeah. Like literally I take a radish and I take like a potato peeler and I just peel some shavings into the, and I, I get so many people are like, why? I'm like, I don't know. I just like it. It adds like a little bit of crunch and it's, it adds a good little texture. Yeah, I know. I love, I love radish. My mom used to, um, like we used to snack on radishes, which is probably really weird, but yeah, they're so good. I wonder if, cause I don't know what a Mediterranean diet would consist of, but I used to be a very strict vegetarian and so I have lots of really fun recipes with fruits and vegetables. 
And one of my favorites, which I still make probably once or twice a month, is just like, it's just sweet potatoes and like squash and zucchini and baby carrots and red onions and peppers. And you bake it in the oven with just like a little bit of oil and salt and pepper. And I usually eat it with white rice, but it's like one of my favorite dinners in the world. And I don't know why. It's just like maybe because I'm a basic bitch, but it's because <laughs> it is like super basic. It's like literally rabbit food and rice, but it's just, it's it, it tastes really delicious. good. <laughs> yeah, no, I love I love vegetables, which luckily I love vegetables. But the main thing with the Mediterranean diet is like fish. And I'm like, mm, your girl does not eat fish. Like the closest I get is tuna out of a can. I have a really good recipe for tilapia I'll send you. Yes, please. And again, it tastes best with rice. Fish and shrimp taste best with rice, I think. Just like brown rice or rice pilaf or something. But it's just like a little bit of butter on top and then some seasonings. Uh, but it's like specific group of seasonings that I can't remember. So I'll have to message it to you. But it's a really good recipe for tilapia. Yeah. Well, if you don't end up cutting this part out of the podcast, <laughs> you, should probably, you should probably throw those on the Patreon as well. Because yes, I know I'm about, starting to get hungry from it. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought about doing, um, well, like I told you earlier, I had a bit of a headache today. So I've accomplished I didn't even get dressed. Like, I'm still in my PJ. I, I, well, okay, I took a shower and then put on fresh PJs is what happened. But I basically just, yeah, I basically just went in between, like, okay, I have to get this homework assignment done. And then I would, like, lay my head down for a little bit. And then that whole process. And my husband knew that I had done that. And so he came home and he walked in from the garage and he was like, did you eat today? And I was like, does bread count? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't feeling good, so I just had like some toast and some coffee, and he was like, "No, bread doesn't count." And I was like, "Okay, then no." And then he like goes back to the garage and he comes back and he got me a McChicken and a large fry. Oh, <laughs> how sweet! Which, it's probably gonna be the last time we do that for a while. So, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> but that I've thought about doing that as another Patreon perk, like posting one rec- recipe a month, because I also have a pretty kick-ass recipe for cookies yeah no I think that would be I think that would be really cool like I know there are um book boxes and stuff that do like recipe cards with their stuff um I think that would be really neat yeah like my my cookie recipe is chocolate peanut butter walnut and maple syrup and maple syrup Oh my God, it's so good. It's an unknown trick, you guys. The next time you're making cookies, toss in a teaspoon of maple syrup. It will change your life. I. <laughs> it's just something my mom always used to do. Uh-huh. Was she would just randomly put maple syrup in, in cookies and brownies and cupcakes and, you know, like obviously French toast and waffles and pancakes. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense, but... It's, it's truly delicious. Any recipe that you have for cookies or brownies or cupcakes, just put a little maple syrup in there. It's delicious. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. So maybe by the time uh, listeners hear this, that'll be a Patreon perk. Yeah. Because <laughs> by the time this episode comes out, the new Patreon perk of a bonus episode every month should be out. No, it'll be, this episode comes out two days before the Patreon bonus episode starts. 
Um, and they start April 15th is there's going to be one free bonus episode every month on Patreon. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that'll be fun and exciting and more work. Cause I always want work for myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. So everybody go join Patreon basically. So should we go ahead and get into fan art discussion? Yes. How much do you love this fan art? It's gorgeous. I love it. It's a picture of Cinder in her ball gown with the quote, she was a cyborg and she would never go to the ball, which is one of my favorite quotes. It's from chapter three of Cinder. And this is by Not So Great Art on Instagram, who I think should change their name because this is pretty fantastic. No, it is. I'm getting like that Alice in Wonderland vibe where like looking at the stairs Like, I feel like the stairs are moving. Like, I feel like she's moving on the stairs. I also feel like you get that with her dress. Yes. with The The way that the ripples and the way that you can see, like, the two different colors at the same time, the red and the gray on top of each other, it feels like her dress is swaying. Yes, definitely. Optical illusion. It's an optical illusion. That's what it is. That's what it is. (laughs) I was like, Alice in Wonderland? (laughs) No, Alice in Wonderland is a perfect example because that Mm -hmm. whole movie is... It's an yeah, yeah, that trip. <laughs> Which is why I'm really looking forward to getting to Heartless at some point. But yeah, that was from Not So Great Art on Instagram from April 10th. So a big thank you for sharing that with us. Last week, we voted on chapter titles <laughs> on our Patreon. So chapter 21 was titled, What is This Feeling from Wicked? And chapter 22 was titled, Howl by Florence and the Machine. <laughs> Fitting. So I guess that's all we have for housekeeping because there's not really any Corona updates. Just everybody wash your hands and be nice to each other. Please be nice to each other. Oh, my goodness. If I see one more video on Facebook of someone stealing or shoving or pushing, I'm probably going to cry. It's crazy out there. Yeah. Just in the words of Ellen DeGeneres, please be kind to one another. (laughs) Yes. Seriously. Be kind. Be thoughtful. Be aware. Like, be and aware of your actions. Be aware of those around you. Yes. Be six feet away from each other. Like, as much as you can, be doing what you're supposed to be doing right now. So, everybody, just do your part, please. Think of think of others. We're going to get through this, I swear. It's not letamosis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. It's crazy reading this again. And, like, like I said, with how many times I've read this. And then, like... The part where she goes to the farm, like I remember listening to you on the podcast when you were talking about the um, the part where she goes to the farm and they have like the black um, the black flag or whatever there. And like it talks about how the whole family died. And I was like, oh, that hits that hits a lot differently reading that right now than it did. Like it was just. Before reading it, I don't think I'd ever really thought too much into it. But like reading it this time, I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it. Yeah. It's and crazy. That, I mean, we haven't got to the point yet of black pillowcases on the front door, but we're definitely yeah. in a danger zone. And yeah, I, we're somewhere in between this. I, think, I feel like there's two extremes. There's people who aren't taking it seriously enough. And then there's people who are panicking and, you know, stealing things out of each other's carts and things like that. And we need to find a way to take it seriously, but remain calm. Yeah, there needs to be a happy medium. And I see all these people posting videos online and stuff of like 
Corona parties and I have rights. You can't tell me to stay inside and all this other stuff. And it's like, nobody's trying to take your rights away. Mm -hmm. It's for the safety of yourself and the safety of others. And even if you're immune, everybody else isn't. So yeah, you have to stay home for a little while. Everybody has Netflix. Calm the down. (laughs) Yeah, no. Get a good book. (laughs) I I can recommend a few. I can recommend so many if you haven't read these. (laughs) Exactly. If you go on the Patreon, you'll get a free book recommendation every month. So (laughs) So let's go ahead and get started on chapter discussion. Last week, we left off with Wolf telling Scarlet that Granny was on Luna and allegedly had a fling nine months before her father was born. And luckily, we're still with Wolf and Scarlet because that was a pretty big reveal. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like... What yeah. a way to end a chapter nine months before your father was born. And then like next page. <laughs> yeah. So we're still with Wolf and Scarlet and they're both shocked for different reasons. Scarlet is shocked because she didn't know any of this about her grandmother. And Wolf is shocked because he thought she would have known at least something, especially since Scarlet's been going on and on and on about how they don't keep secrets. Well, one of you doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Poor Scarlet. This has got to be a, a rude awakening. <laughs> Oh, yes. I would not. I would not want to be in her shoes right now. No, I can't. I was talking to my sister, Lindsay, about it, who was on our Frozen episode. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't think of of how it would be to be in this situation, because I feel like I don't have secrets in general. Like, I don't have anything cool to hide. So I, don't, I can't imagine, like, what... I don't know, like my husband or my sisters are the people I'm closest to. So it's like, I can't imagine what they might be keeping from me as a big piece, like a big reveal, you know, that would change Mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I, there's not, I don't have anything cool. You guys, no secret. Sorry. (laughs) Unless I'm about to find out that I'm a princess. Hey. Right. You know what? That doesn't always work out as well as you think it's going. (laughs) Did you, you read Princess Diaries? You could have, yeah, like you could have Princess Diaries, or you could be Princess Celine. Like, and then, you know what it is? Is you could, everybody, please go read the False Princess because you could have Princess Diaries or you could have the False Princess, and both of those situations are, those are like the they're completely polar opposite situations, is what they are. Huh. The False Princess by Elise O'Neill. It's amazing. Go read it. It's underrated. <laughs> I'm writing. I'm writing it down right now. Yes, I love Scarlet because she's like, all right, I need to know everything. The first thing she does is go, Wolf. How do you know this? And I was like, Yes, girl, fact check that. Yes, like, well, and she, but she's still like, she's still like reeling from this hit she just took with the truth. So she's still gonna be like. Okay, but how, like, how do you know that? Like, I mean, I think so. honestly, it, it would take a lot for me to believe something like this of another person that I trusted so much. If someone came up to me right now and that, I knew that person for a day, and even if we had had the day that Scarlet and Wolf have had, if they came up to me and they were like, hey, uh, your sister Lindsay did all of these things that you never heard about, I'd be like, well, okay. Yeah, right. You're like, oh, I'm sure she did all of that. And she didn't tell me the one of the people she trusts most in the world. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, it would take a lot for me to believe it. I would have to 
But Scarlet goes through that in this chapter. She starts to put together little clues to figure it out. So there's at least yeah. something. I'm just glad that she was hesitant a little bit. Like a little bit. She was like, where's this information coming from? Yeah. Now, before we reveal the information that Wolf has, I want to remind everyone the information that we already have. So it's not a spoiler. So I'm on page 198 and 199 of Cinder. This is what we heard from Nancy. We can assume that the beginning of this word, by the way, is suspected. <laughs> suspected that a man by the name of Logan Tanner, a lunar doctor who worked under the reign of Queen Channery, first brought Princess Celine to Earth approximately four months after her alleged death. Unfortunately, Tanner was admitted into Su Ming Psychiatric Hospital on 8 May 125 TE and committed bioelectric-induced suicide on 17 January 126 TE. Those sources indicate that Princess Celine had been given to another keeper years before Tanner's death. I have thus far not been able to confirm the identity of that keeper. One suspect is an ex-military pilot from the European Federation, Wing Commander Michelle Benoit. So that's the information we already have before talking to Wolf. Scarlet doesn't have that, but we as the reader know that that's what Nancy's research turned up. Yes. Do you have your book with you? Yes, I have my book in front of me. Okay, do you want to read the information we get in that first paragraph from Wolf on page 230, that giant paragraph there? Uh, it all ties back? Yes. Okay. It all ties back to the princess. Evidence suggests she was taken off Luna by a man named Logan Tanner, a doctor. He searched her for some recognition, but the name meant nothing to Scarlet. Wolf continued... The only earthens Dr. Tanner would have had contact with prior to taking the princess were those who had been in the same, on the same mission as your grandmother. People who know him suspected that Dr. Tanner had a liaison with Michelle Benoit during her stay. Those theories became more plausible when we learned that Michelle had given birth to a son with no record of the father nine months later. So now we've got quite a bit of new information. Now we know why Michelle Benoit was a suspect, was a suspect at all to be the keeper. Because otherwise, from Nancy's research, there's no indication as to where this woman's name even comes from. It's just like, Tanner might have given her to someone else. That person might be Michelle Benoit. Well, now we know it might be Michelle Benoit because they had a liaison on the moon, allegedly, that led to the birth of her father. Yes. So that, that's a pretty big egg hatch for everybody, I think. And Scarlet is so overwhelmed that she can't even stand up anymore. Yeah. She's shocked and she has no... Uh, it's just yeah. a lot to take all at once. It is. And she realizes that this means her grandfather would have been lunar. Mm-hmm. Sweetie, it also means that you're lunar. And now I have so many questions about being part lunar. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I go on this thing, whole rant in my notes, so have fun with that, Patreon members. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thing is, this, I feel like, explains more about her dad. About, like, her dad was described as, like, enigmatic. And, like, the way that her dad is described, it kind of makes more sense with him, like, being half lunar. And, like, who knows? Because we had Dr. Erlon in Cinder. Like, he was going through all those difficulties with, like, not using his gift. Like, do we know if her dad, like, 
if that could have affected like his personality and with him kind of losing his mind right now. I didn't even think of that. I totally checked off his, his incoherency to just, you know, a mental breakdown from torture and lack of sleep and things like that and alcohol. Yeah. It does bring up more questions about his, his statement on page 47. I don't know what she does here in her big ancient house. What happened on the moon? Don't know what mm-hmm. she's hiding, but she's hiding something. Mm-hmm. But it all ties back to that. So we know that someone out there thinks she has information. Mm-hmm. It brings up questions to me on what does it mean to be part lunar and part earth? And like, do they still have the gift? Are they immune to the gift? Do you have to be born or conceived on Luna for the mutation to take place? Do Can you tell by the blood? Is it in the DNA? Am well, I, thinking, I mean, do they, I literally put in my notes, am I thinking about this too much? Yeah. <laughs> well, and what we know. So we Dr. know that Erlon, you can tell if you're lunar from the blood, but can yeah. we tell if the gift, the mutation, can we tell if that's present in the blood or do you need DNA? Yeah, exactly. Well, and that and are they like shells? We don't know. Don't right. Know. Do, if they don't have the gift, does that mean that they're also immune to it or simply that they're you know, their human genetics are more relevant. But yeah, I just was thinking about it a lot because it brings up a lot of questions about what it means to be part lunar and part earthen. Mm -hmm. And then Scarlett, while she's sitting there, she starts to put together some of the clues as to what part of Wolf's story could be plausible. So here Mm -hmm. are the clues. Her grandmother was always sympathetic to lunars. Her grandmother never talked about her grandfather. And she and her father were not born in hospitals where a mandatory blood test would have shown their ancestry. Yes. And I wonder if Scarlett sat there and thought about it a little bit more, if she would have put more clues together, like her father saying, don't know what happened on the moon and things like that. Yeah. Well, and she just thought he was rambling, rambling nonsense. nonsense. Yeah, she had no idea what the moon had to do with anything. She didn't even fixate on that part of his speech yeah she was just caught up in everything i think yeah so here we get another egg hatch this is now the fourth time that scarlet has said we don't keep secrets from one another which she first said in the first couple chapters in the beginning she told everybody the detectives her friends wolf her dad Mm -hmm. the people at the bar we don't keep secrets but like we said it seems like one person doesn't keep secrets and the other one is very good at it yeah so in that reading, reading that line where um, we don't keep se- secrets, she whispered to herself and like she repeated it again. We don't keep secrets from each other. Like that part like really gets to me because you like uh, the emotions she must be going through and like having to come to terms with that's a lie. Like not only has she been lying to me, but that it's a lie that we've told each other that we don't we don't keep secrets from each other like that the trust that they have that bond that they have is a lie yeah yeah and that alone can be enough to send someone on a spiral even someone as strong as scarlet has been so far because she even starts to she feels like she's about to start crying and wolf is like i'm really sorry i thought you knew about all this Mm mm-hmm And she starts thinking about, like, okay, well, why would she have kept these secrets? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't she have told me about Logan Tanner to protect to protect me or something else? 
it's like an even more unlikely secret she's been protecting. Like, yeah, it's more than just protecting herself and protecting Scarlet. Like, we There's know stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. If it ties back to the princess, like there's so much more wrapped up in that than just really uh, than just I was on the moon and had an affair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Wolf hears something. He cocks his ear and he turns his head south. And Scarlet only hears crickets, of course. Wolf says that there's a train coming, so he starts to focus on getting them to the ground. Mm-hmm. And this is where Scarlet's trying to settle herself. With a nod, she planted a hand on the ground and pushed herself to standing. And these people think my grandmother knows something about the princess because... Here's another egg hatch. Tanner may have asked Grandma for assistance when he brought Celine to Earth. But they can't know that for sure. They just think that, right? Exactly. They they just think that. I mean, we we as the reader definitely have more information on that. Right. And so she's like, well, why don't they just ask this Tanner guy? And again... Taylor popped into my head because Wolf's re-answer is, oh, because he's dead. (laughs) So I read that and I was like, oh, because he's dead. But he is. He's dead. He can't answer any questions because he's dead. He killed himself earlier this year in an insane asylum in in, in an insane asylum in the Eastern Commonwealth. Yeah. No, and like that with the insane asylum, with, like, him being in the insane asylum, like, that leads me back to her dad. Like, her her grandfather, like, purposefully locked himself in the asylum. Um, like, he checked him, he checked himself in. So, like, I, I just, that just gets me thinking more and more about, like, her dad. And, like, maybe he wasn't the way that he was just because he was a crap person like maybe like maybe there was something else going on there was another element at play and he just never had any he never had any idea yeah and i mean there's there's evidence of things like that throughout history where people we didn't always have the wonderful medical technology that we have now i have a seizure disorder and in ancient greece i would have been put in an asylum for having visions people who have schizophrenia have been both targeted and praised throughout history because some people considered it a gift. Some people considered it a curse. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of mental disabilities that even now we don't have a clear interpretation of. And, you know, obviously this Tanner person felt some sort of self-awareness and that's why he checked himself in. But if Luke has no idea why he's behaving that way, like we know from Dr. Erland, he was having hallucinations and he told Cinder it was because if you don't use the gift, it starts to internalize. And so, you know, if if Luke is starting to have these hallucinations and, and the gift is starting to internalize, it could very well explain his erratic behavior. Yeah. And like even when she was a child, like he I feel like alcohol played a big deal when she was a child and like his like why she went to her grandmother because she left her dad to go live with her grandmother like I feel like that's all involved there like I think even so more too. so than just right now we don't really know a lot about why she left her father 
to go live with her grandmother other than the fact that she didn't like him and she didn't like being left alone and stuff. Yeah. But we have to assume that there was a lot more at play than I don't like living in Paris with my dad, you know? Yeah. So I do love the quote from Scarlett replaced with pity for a man who had not existed to her minutes before. Mm-hmm. I like that quote because I do think pity is, is something instantaneous, even if we don't realize it, you know, even just like seeing a post on Facebook or something can bring that out in us oh, yeah. or seeing, you know, driving past someone on the street or something where even if you don't know someone's story and their situation, hearing a small portion of it can bring that, that feeling out of you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it definitely can. So again, we get a little bit more naivety about Earthens not really knowing about the existence of lunars on Earth because Scarlet is like, well, if he was lunar, why wasn't he just captured and sent back to Luna? Mm-hmm. And Wolf says he must have figured out how to blend in with Earth and society, which we've seen from Dr. Erlon isn't that hard. No. Because yeah, Dr. Like, Erlon wasn't even like flying under the radar. Like he's a he's a doctor. Yeah, he made himself emperor. he made himself a a well-known figure. And like he's honestly, he's probably lucky that they don't that no one recognized him before that or found out about him being lunar that they did blood tests or something because like he he wasn't just like a doctor you know like this isn't a guy who was like all right i'm just gonna keep my head down you know do a job where i'm not in the public like i don't know a janitor or something people who get easily overlooked in public maybe no he was like i'm gonna be a doctor for the emperor. And I'm going to yep. have direct contact with the emperor and his advisors and even his child on a daily basis. Yep. Not hidden. At, maybe you could say that that means that he's hidden in plain sight. But yeah, I, I, I think that there's still more at play there. But Wolf starts to help her climb up on top of the tree trunk that they're going to use to jump down. And... Mm-hmm. Scarlet is surprised by how warm his hand is. And I got a slight Twilight reminder that I didn't like because of that. <laughs> how <laughs> About cold, the wolves how cold always, Edward was. How cold Edward was, but also how the werewolves like Jacob were always really warm to touch. Yeah. Um, only because I, I, I know that the Twilight books came out before this. So I was like, no, I don't want them to have anything in common. <laughs> Scarlet is still like, she's still struggling with this. She's like, okay, look, they obviously have to have, it's obviously the wrong person. They've had her for weeks and she hasn't said anything. So it must be a mistake. Or her secret is so worth protecting that torture and death and even the torture of her own son isn't going to get her to talk. She won't break. Yep. I mean, we've met, we've met Scarlet and we know how determined she is. So you can only imagine how her grandmother is. Yeah, I mean, if the if the parallel was Scarlet getting tortured for information about her grandmother, it seems like she could hold out for a while. So, yes. And grandma, I mean, we don't know grandma, but she's a grandma. We know that she's almost 70 years old and that she's had a pretty fulfilling life and that the only thing she's leaving behind is a perfectly capable 18-year-old granddaughter. So, I mean... If you're going to torture somebody who's maybe 15 years away from death anyways, you know, I don't, 
it's it's like that one show with Sam Elliott where he's like, I mean, I'm 75. What are you going to do? Kill me? Yeah. I don't care. Well, I, how many good years do I have left anyways? Exactly. She's not going to care. But and then obviously it was a big enough of a secret to protect that, like, even when they had her son, like she couldn't she couldn't say anything. And he was shocked by that because he even said repeatedly she wouldn't even say anything. She wouldn't tell them for me. And me was in italicis to make it sound like he put a lot of emphasis on that word. Mm -hmm. And even they don't they obviously don't have a very good relationship, you know, as as mother and son. And he still was like, you're not going to tell them for me, for your son. And so I wonder it makes me wonder why they didn't take Scarlett who she obviously has a much closer relationship with and would obviously be a much better um, tool to try and get her or incentive or however you want to look at it to try to get grandma to talk. You know, I've never thought about that. Like, why didn't they take them? Like, why wouldn't, why would you just take grandma and not take them both? Like, maybe they didn't think they needed Scarlett. They were like, she's an old lady. What's that part of... Um, oh, okay. So they had... So what? Grandma's been gone for two weeks and then dad was only gone for a week. So yeah. maybe maybe dad was closer when they figured out they needed somebody. Well, dad was in Paris and Wolf says their headquarters is in Paris. So I think so. That would. But make, it also that makes me sense. think... It also makes me think of Harry Potter... When they go after Neville's grandmother and they just sing like they just send like two idiot Death Eaters because they're like, it's an old grandma. We don't need to put effort into this. And that might be what happened here. They totally underestimated her. They were like, okay, she's like a 70 year old retired farmer. Like, what are we dealing with? Come on. And they just totally underestimated the situation. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that they underestimated what they were coming up against. And then. So Scarlett keeps saying over and over again that they've got the wrong person. And this was a line that you really liked where Wolf says, do you want to read it since you like it? So yeah. Much? Yeah. Yeah. Go for so it. I'm, I'm going to go back to like Scarlett's a little bit up to Scarlett's part. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. So this is Scarlett talking. There must be someone else he had contact with on Earth. The trail can't end with my grandma. According to my dad, she hadn't told them anything after weeks of who knows what they've been doing to her. They must realize they've got the wrong person. And then going to Wolf, there was a particular restraint when Wolf responded. Are you sure they have like to me, like there's so much more meaning in that simple phrase from him. Like, are, are you sure? Like you, we've already discovered everything that she's lied about already. Do you really, do you really think that, she's not still lying. Like there's not something else. Right. Like, is it really, is it really that far fetched? Can you really not see any world where this is a possibility? Mm -hmm. You just found out you're a lunar, like the possibility of everything else I've been saying, like that's, you've just found out your part lunar, like that. That was the likelihood of that. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like one of those things where people, you know, if, if someone were to ask you right now, well, what's the most unimaginable thing you could possibly think of that would just completely shock you? You can't think of anything, but then someone tells you something and it's like, whoa. Yeah. 
Like, I, I don't know if I have a good comparison, but when I was 15, I found out that I was adopted and that was like, whoa. Like at first I, yeah, my parents met when I was three months old. So it wasn't until I was 15 and they got divorced that they told me that my dad wasn't my biological dad. So that also meant that my two younger sisters were half sisters, not, you know, we didn't. Right. And so, I mean, looking back now, I'm five, two, I don't sunburn and I have dark curly hair. My sisters are five, 11 and five, nine. They have like bright blonde, completely perfectly straight hair. And they sunburn just thinking about going outside. Like, <laughs> I, I feel if, that. If you look at us, if you look at the three of us, like standing next to each other, especially if my dad is also there, it's blatantly obvious that I am not genetically related to them. But that didn't occur to me as a kid. I mean, I was I was born premature and I look exactly like my mother and they look a lot like our dad. So I just assumed, you know, I got her genetics and they got his. So that was like a really earth shattering thing because I has was not just shocked at my parents. Like that's something my entire family kept from me. Like, that's not yeah. just something my mom and dad were like, no, we're not going to tell her. Like aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents. Nobody everybody, told me. Everybody was in on it except for the <laughs> younger sibling. Yeah. Yes. And so it was a really big shock for for me. And it came at a time when my parents were also getting divorced. And, you know, my grandmother and my uncles, had I had lost um, three uncles and two grandparents and our family dog in like the two years prior to my parents getting divorced. So I was already dealing with a lot of depression. And it was just it was it was this thing. And, you know, I kind of went through like what Scarlett went through, where it was like, you know, it's like, I don't believe you. Wait, I actually am starting to think of things that would make that plausible. Yeah. And and I mean, looking back as an adult, I'm like, man, there were so many signs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like I said, when you're a kid, you don't think about that stuff. It never occurs to you to be like, I wonder if I'm adopted. So yeah. I, I think it's obviously not a great comparison because my parents weren't on the moon harboring a supposedly dead princess and lying about it to torturers but it was a very big shock to me it was a big secret that was revealed and I I don't think I handled it well (laughs) I don't think I handled it well at all but I was 15 give me a break (laughs) Scarlett's 18 but this is this is interesting because you know we're about halfway through um we're about halfway through Scarlet and towards the end of Cinder, Cinder gets a pretty big shock finding out that she's the princess. So oh, yeah. both of our heroines are dealing with these big life altering secrets being revealed that are changing pretty much everything about their entire life and perspective. Oh yeah. They're finding out there's a lot that they're they're learning and lo- lots of big reveals. Lots, lots of big secrets. reveals. Yeah. So here we get a really good line from Scarlet. The lunar air was a myth, a conspiracy, a legend. I really like that because we know that Kai is <laughs> really into conspiracy theories and he clings to them like they must be true because it's the only hope I have left. So I like that. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. The boy needs some help. He does. <laughs> We've I've mentioned in past episodes where I think in an alternate universe, Kai has like a basement dark room with shady lighting and a cork board with 
tabs and red string and red string everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Giant question marks. And yeah. But it's interesting because Cinder had a similar reaction when she found out she was lunar and even more so when she found out she was the princess. She was like, no, there aren't any lunars on Earth. No, the princess is dead. Like these things are so encoursed in their brain that the very idea that it's not true is laughable. Yeah. And I personally, I don't know. There's a lot that I would believe. There's, <laughs> I I don't pretend. I, to I think it has to be like, number one, like you got to trust the person who is telling you. Yeah. These things. Fact. And like you, you need to see, like, you're not just going to take a stranger's word for it. There needs to be evidence. There needs to be some kind of rationale and, the more that he's telling her, the more things are becoming clear so she can believe that, okay, yeah, this is the case. Yeah. And I think that that's probably the biggest takeaway from this whole chapter is Scarlet realizing that it's not just, this is from, you know, a guy that's cute or this is from a guy who's not trustworthy. It's that she in her own mind can come up with clues that he's not giving her that mm-hmm. make this story plausible. It's not, she's not only going off of the information he's giving her with every piece of information he gives her. She finds another piece of a clue in her brain that makes it plausible. And I think that that's probably what makes her believe it more than anything. Not just that he told her, but that she was able to self reflect and come up with all these clues on her own that made it plausible. Yeah. So the train is coming up and Wolf squeezes her hand and this whole time they're getting this log ready for them to jump onto. And I think this is a really great moment for the readers because it's kind of, it's like a really cinematic thing. I can, I can clearly visualize like their conversation going on while he's trying to prepare them for this, this big leap onto a moving train. Um, And Wolf again He's this is like the third time he said, like, if you know anything, it's in your and your grandmother's best interest to give them something, anything. Can you give them anything? And again, Scarlett is like, I don't have anything. I don't I don't know anything. Yeah. And here's where we know that Wolf is on her side, because he says, we'll figure out something else. Mm -hmm. We'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll come up with something. We're not going to give up just because you don't know anything. Like, we'll come up with something. We're going to make this work. Yeah. These monsters were chasing a ghost, and her grandmother was caught in the middle of it, all because of some fling that she had that had allegedly happened 40 years ago. I like that she called it a fling first, because obviously we're not given any indication that it was anything more than that. And then I like that she says, allegedly, there Mm -hmm. is still a part of her that doesn't 100% believe this is true. And I think that that's important. It's important for us as the reader to know that Scarlett is not easily swayed. She doesn't easily lose this trust that she has, this bond that she has with her grandmother. Yeah, she is. She's very determined and she's very um, like she has she has this trust and she has this belief. And I feel like. Even though she's found finding out all of these things she didn't know about her grandmother, like she still trusts her grandmother. This doesn't mean like that she doesn't trust her. There are just things she doesn't know. 
I agree. I think this is like the trust isn't broken. It's it's damaged, but it's not fully broken. Yeah. Yeah. So she sees how high up they are and she feels like she's standing on the edge of an abyss. And Wolf says they need to be able to leave in 30 seconds with no hesitation. And I love this imagery from Marissa Meyer where it says that Scarlet's tongue was as dry as the crackled bark beneath her. Mm -hmm. Because she could have just said she felt like her mouth was dry. But we know Marissa doesn't do that. Marissa has to give us great imagery to go with everything. Oh, yeah. It puts you in this scene. Like, you're feeling what she's feeling, like, the anxiety and the, like, I'm about to jump on a moving train. Like, we've already jumped off one. So now we're going to do this again in reverse. reverse. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also kind of it kind of centers you in the setting. It reminds you, okay, we're outside. We're surrounded by trees. They're in a forest. They're near bark. Like just a reminder in case we were so caught up in this story that we forgot about the setting. It's dark and they're in the woods and they're about to jump onto a moving train. And Scarlett says, can I jump on my own this time? And I love Wolf's response. Do you want to? Yeah. Uh, no. And no, she does not want to. She tells him to turn around. Turn around. <laughs> I do like that he grins when she says that. I thought I thought that was really cute. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I knew it. I knew you didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. So Scarlet has the thought in her head that she has every right to despise him, but he was still there helping her, still risking his own life. And so she says, I'm glad you told me everything. And Wolf says, I should have told you sooner. And she agrees. But then she kisses him on the cheek and his body locks up. Mm-hmm. Why do you think she kissed him on the cheek? Because I remember the very first time I read this book, I was like, oh, and now reading it with such a fine tooth comb. I'm like, that comes a little out of nowhere. I feel like to me, they've are like they felt a pull to each other this whole time. And now he's helping her when he really, he didn't have to. He he owes her nothing besides the fact that he didn't help her grandmother. But he he's doing all of this for her. And I think she feels, she feels that and like she wants to express it in a way. And that's, that's the way that she chose. And him being the big softy that he is, (laughs) like, he doesn't know how to take that. Like, and that's one thing that always got me between him and his brother. Like, we've seen, like, what a flirt his brother is. And then you have the actual alpha. And, yeah. He's more restrained. Yes, he's he's more restrained and he's jittery. And, yeah. I I always thought that was interesting between those two. It is a very big contrast. So now we're waiting for the train and it starts to approach. And I love this. The train is smooth as a snake and glossy white. I love that visual. Oh, yeah. Scarlet notices there's another scar on his neck. But this one is small and perfectly straight. Looks like more the work of a scalpel than a brawl. I feel like that's got to be a clue to something. But before Scarlet can really think about it, they have to jump. Yep. Which is terrifying. The whole jump scene is absolutely terrifying. Wolf was crouching and her heart jumped, tearing her attention back to the train. 
Wolf braced his hand on the bag. His muscles were still rigid. His pulse galloping. Galloping. Yes. Like, she's on his back. She can feel his pulse, like, going. Like, that tells you yes. how, how big it is. Like, And it tells you how much, like, how close they are to one another that she can feel mm-hmm. it. Like, how close skin-to-skin contact they are that oh, yeah. she can feel his, his pulse. And I love the line... She couldn't help but contrast it with the uncanny calm he'd had when they jumped out of the train before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big difference. And we'll see later in the chapter that that makes a big difference because instantly Scarlet felt the wrongness. Love the use of the word wrongness here. That's yes. Faction. So what happens is they jump. Wolf slips. Scarlet like spins away she grabs at his shirt with her fingernails but it completely rips and she falls wolf grabs her by the wrist and yanks her back up by the shoulder his grunt bordering on a roar i loved that um (laughs) and then so now they're back on the top of the train and everything's okay wolf is on top of her he's trying to like protect her from the elements he's shoving her hair out of her face so he can check on her and see that everything's okay and I really mm-hmm. love, I love that part too. His hands hastily brushed the curls from her face, gripped her shoulders, rubbed her bruised wrist, every ounce of his frenetic energy devoted to checking that she was there, that she was all right. So concerned. Yeah. So worried. His next one, he's apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I lost focus. I slipped. I'm sorry, Scarlet. Like, are you all right? Like, he's so... He's scared to death that he may have caused her pain. Yes. And I, the part that got me was his eyes were full of horror. Mm, Yeah. And she says, I may have pulled something in my shoulder. As someone who recently dislocated her shoulder so bad that it separated from the bone and they had to surgically repair it. (laughs) That that hurts. Like, I cannot even describe. That's probably, I am a very clumsy person. I have had very serious injuries. That is probably the worst pain I've ever had in my whole life. Like, and even now it's sensitive. If you touch it or move it the wrong way, even now it's sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I can't imagine doing all of that while your adrenaline is pumping would probably make it, I guess, a little less painful, but yeah, I just feel like it would also make it all the more terrifying because it's like, well, it's not like I'm going to get it to a doctor and put it back anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like it is dislocated because she's fine a little bit later. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure like there was a stretch because she was falling. He caught her, but he caught like just one of her arms. And it so, does say and then, Yeah. So, so he's using so he's using all of his strength on her one arm so you've got the entire weight of her body so i'm sure there's going to be soreness there but i don't think there was enough to really like cause an injury yeah unlike with him where he caught her with his bad arm yeah because she shot him (laughs) i'm still upset about her shooting him well at least he knows she was serious about it yeah she was serious so now Wolf looks intense, terrified, and fragile. And I love this. Scarlet says that she's all right. And then wrapping her free arm around his back and pulling him toward her until she could curl up beneath the shelter of his body, burying her head against his neck. Oh, 
This time that's not goal. Yes. <laughs> so they just kind of sit there and they hold each other, you know, on top of a moving train um, yeah. until they can both calm down. And now she looks at Wolf and he looks fearful, uncertain, and longing, which I liked. I liked that. I was like, ooh. Longing. Yeah. And then Scarlet is a little bold here. She goes to lean in for a kiss and Wolf pulls away and says, they need to get inside before they hit a tunnel. I understand that Scarlet is a little, like, bummed out that they didn't kiss, but a tunnel does sound terrifying, so maybe y'all should get inside. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, like, flat. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be anticlimactic for their first kiss, like, getting taken out by a tunnel? And then they like, died by a tunnel. The end. It's like, wow, Marissa Meyer really surprised me with that ending. <laughs> wow, like, okay, I guess we're back on Cinder in the Thorn now. I loved how she said that she felt safe and warm and content in his arms. Mm-hmm. I thought that was wonderful. That really got me in the feels. Oh, yeah. So now she notices they're starting to move down. She gets down. Wolf helps her or whatever. And she looks down and she notices the bag and she starts to laugh. Because as it turns out, his aim was perfect. And perhaps if she hadn't randomly kissed him out of nowhere, he wouldn't have dropped her. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to get down and he helps her and he said, and she calls him a show off, which I think is unwarranted. What you should say is thank you. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Definitely agree. I, I love this. His hands were achingly gentle as he lowered her to the platform and lingered a second too long after her feet were firmly planted. Or not nearly long enough. I love that. It's like a second too long so that you know it was intentional. Like, he didn't let her go intentionally. But it wasn't long enough because Scarlet wanted more. Yes. Wolf grabs the bag and goes inside. And Scarlet's just kind of standing there letting the wind hit her on the face and calm her down. And she's trying to... She's trying to gather herself and center herself. And I love this line. Her head was too full of the memory, the too recent agony of wanting to kiss him. Agony? Yeah, I I question the use of that word. So is she agonizing that he didn't kiss her? Or is she agonizing over the fact that she wanted to kiss this guy she just met? I think, honestly, it might be a little bit of both. Because I think think more than anything, it's the same as when they were in the train. She feels... Mm -hmm rejected when he doesn't return certain things like when he didn't want to go walking in the train with her to the car to the um bar to get a drink and some food she felt rejected and I think part of her feels rejected here too that he didn't want to kiss her yeah well it does say in the next paragraph that um she dimly tried to tell herself it was a good thing that wolf had pulled away And then she's always rushing into things without thinking them through. And it always gets her into trouble. Yeah, which we've seen up just in these couple hundred pages with her. Yeah, no, I mean, it started off with her just like taking her produce that she was supposed to deliver in the first (laughs) chapter and just like start slamming it at the wall. Like she doesn't make she doesn't make the most level headed choice. No, they like she said, she realizes that they've barely known each other a day and I wrote in my notes, this isn't romantic, but it reminds me of when I first met you because we did not know each other and literally spent the whole day and evening together. Like within half an hour of me arriving at the festival 
And right before I went to my hotel room that night, I spent the whole day with you guys. Yeah, no. And that was so, that was so awesome. That was so fun, like spending time with you. And it's been so weird. And I think I messaged you about this. Like it's been so weird listening to the podcast because <laughs> I know, I know your voice. Like I feel like we've known each other forever. And then like I'm listening to the podcast and then like I'm trying to comment. Like you're listening to me. No, I'm listening to you. Like, <laughs> so like, I love being able to do this with you now. Cause like, I can, <laughs> I can comment. <laughs> and you can come back anytime. Let me know if there's yes. a specific chapter you like. Um, oh girl. Oh girl. I have, <laughs> I feel depressed with my favorite. Ooh, like you should I have, have my very, parts. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, I'm going to save that for you. You're going to be on my very first chapter of Crest for sure. I'm going to save that for you. I did the schedule. It'll be right around the beginning of June. Okay. Obviously, we'll talk about it more in June, but I'm going to save that chapter just for you. (laughs) So excited. Okay. On the page 240, do you have a typo? I have a typo. Oh, no. Where? It is the fourth paragraph down. It says she'd wanted him to kiss him. She wanted him to kiss her. She yep, finds the typo. It says him twice. <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> I was reading it and I was like, wait, I misread that. No, I didn't. It's a no, typo. So now I have to ask, which edition do you have? Well, I have the new one. I have the uh, the new paperbacks. That oh, I picked so yours is probably perfect then. Yeah, so my, <laughs> my mine's been through a few uh, retouches. <laughs> so they go Scarlet goes into the train this kind of reminds me of Cinder and Thorn Wolf is moving all these plastic crates around to make room and in the la- in a few chapters ago we talked about Cinder and Thorn moving crates around to make room on their ship yeah. so it was like a little bit of a parallel there that their stories are lining up mm-hmm. and I love this she can't think of anything to say that wouldn't sound trite and artificial Ooh, how about how's, we all the we- how's the weather? Yeah. I think we've all been there where it's like, well, anything I can think of to say is not worth saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You have curly hair. I do. I do have curly hair. And curly, curly, hair, hair. In the, curly hair in the wind. That bitch is, is not combing her curly hair. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not like, unless, at, at this unless point, she has I'm one grabbing- of those. Like, not yeah. unless she has one of those giant wide tooth combed, is she, cr- like, putting a comb through her curly hair. Combs don't work that way. Not no. in curly hair. No. Like, my hair, like, my hair would be up in a bun. Like. Yeah. 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 A like, big old messy bun. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you talk about rat's nest quick. That. Mm-mm. Yep. Mm-mm. Curly no hair way. in the wind. Whew, that is a nightmare. No, thank you. Yeah, no. Uh, so, like she, I said, she some uh, hair ties in that sweater. Like, right? She had a port screen and a comb. Honestly, like, okay, yeah, I'm not saying you can't use a comb on curly hair. But here's the thing. <laughs> Unless that's a giant wide-toothed comb, it's going to get tangled and it's going to create more of a mess. And it's also going to, have you ever brushed curly hair? It doesn't stay curly after you brush it, and it goes poof. Well, the other so, thing is... <laughs> It it hurts. It hurts anyone, so much. Anyone with, anyone with curly hair will tell you you do not detangle dry hair. 
No, <laughs> you, you do get not. it wet and you soak no. it with conditioner. <laughs> yes, or you put in like I have leave-in conditioner that I'll use sometimes if I'm in between showers, like. Yes. Not showers, if I'm in between washes. Because I also have friends that are like, if I'm in between washes, I'll wet my hair down and restyle it. And they're like, why don't you use dry shampoo? And I'm like, because I have curly hair. And they just stare at me. And I'm like, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, it has to be, like, <laughs> if I, like, if I use dry shampoo, I will use it. And then I will wet my hair and brush my hair out. Like, so I had had the shampoo. I don't know if it actually works that way, but in my brain, like, I feel like it works. But yeah, that's what I'll, that's what I'll do is I'll put the dry shampoo in it. And then I have a little, um, spray bottle of water that I keep next to my sink in the bathroom. Yeah. And then I'll spray, I'll spray my hair down. And then I take, um, I use the wet brush. I really like those. So I'll take my wet brush and then I'll brush it out and then I'll curl it a little bit and then I'll add a little more water and scrunch it and like, it's an ordeal. Like you don't just, I, I went to the beach once with my friends and like my curls were looking fabulous. And my friends who have like straightish hair, um, they were, they, we got back in the car and they had both brushed their hair out and I'm sitting in the back seat and I'm just like, Ooh, these beach waves. And they they both turned around and they're like, here, do you want to brush your hair? And I'm looking at them like, y'all are crazy. No, you know how bad that would make my hair. And see, I'm like, when I go swimming, I'm like, let's French braid this. Mm-hmm. let's get it all which I can do now because one I cut it all off and two I just had surgery so I can't move my arm enough to to braid it but that's my go-to when I when I'm going to be swimming is like I'll just braid it and get it out of my face but I just wanted a second opinion because I was like maybe I'm just crazy no curly hair it just doesn't work that way it's not easy to use like a comb. So unless she's got a foot long wide tooth comb, because that's how big they are, they're about the size of from your wrist to your elbow. Uh, that is not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. So Wolf sits by her with his hands in his lap, not touching her. Emphasis on that. Yep. And she wants to rest her head on his shoulder. No. That's so sweet. She starts to trace his tattoo with her fingers and he his whole body goes rigid. And she says, so I know <laughs> she says, was Rand telling the truth? Do you think they'll kill you for leaving them? A momentary silence had her pulse pounding and her fingertip against his arm. No, he said, finally, you don't have to worry about me. I'll stop worrying when this is all over and we're all safe, safely away from them. I like that. She says we're all not just her and grandma. Wolf is included in that. She wants Wolf to also be safe and away from them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I can't remember. Has he has he told her, like, how long he's been in the... Yeah, we long... know that he got in when he was 12, and we know that he left them three weeks ago. Okay, yeah. But we so don't she... know how old he is. Yes. So, I mean, if he's 18, it's been six years. If he's 21, it's been nine years but we don't know how old he is i she's 18 and i'm guessing he's older than her i'm guessing i would say 2021 i was gonna say 21 22 yeah because they play it like he's older but not that much older yeah yeah so i would say 2021 that's probably a good guess i was trying to think why i brought that up um but like she knows like 
he was brought into that at such a young age, like that's all he knows, all he was raged for. And like she had told him before, like, you're not, you're not an old dog. Like you can learn, you can learn new tricks. So tomorrow we'll try broccoli. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So she like, she sees potential there. Exactly. So. So she starts tracing all the scars on his body and asking where they came from. And he says, stop. He grabs her by the hand and says, stop. And this is so the polar opposite of what we normally see represented in media, like in movies and TV shows and, and cinema and things like that, because this is Scarlet is being bold. Scarlet is making advances and Wolf is the one who's who's painstakingly hesitant for we don't really know what reason. Um, but this is basically goes back to what you just said. Wolf says that scars are what he's used to. Yeah. That's what all he knows. Like he's not used to being touched in a soft and affectionate way. Yeah. The only contact that he's probably had is with a fist or with. Cause it's all from pointless fights and, and the, you know, the fights are just stupid and pointless and he, he's always hated them. We found that out a few chapters ago. Uh huh. She touches his hair and he finally leans into her touch, which I just, I really liked that. I thought it's like, it's kind of like his walls are finally kind of yeah. breaking down. And I mean, he is called, he is called Wolf. So you get like the imagery of like a dog that's been abused and is Aww. finally like, like that's what I get when I think of I him. Like, like I just think, think of a that. sad, I think of a sad puppy that I'm like, just let me pet you. Just let me love you. I will like, tr- I will treat you right. Like, I feel like that's, I didn't even <laughs> think of that. That's perfect. You know, when we, um, Beowulf, well, both the dogs are rescued, but Scamp we got when he was four months old. Beowulf was eight months old and he did not come from a great home life. You no. could not touch him from the neck down. If you touched him on his chest, his feet, his shoulders, his back, he instantly tensed up and he would yelp like someone hit him with a car. Like if you just barely touched him and now I can do whatever I could pick him up and toss him over my shoulder and he'd be like, where are we going mom? But it was a very long and slow process of him getting used to the fact that we touch gently. We touch softly. I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you you. when I touch you. Yes. Our touches are not harmful. They're affectionate. And yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that's a perfect analogy. Like, he is not used to soft touches. Mm-hmm. And they are very foreign to him. And so he doesn't really know how to react or even accept them. Yeah. So he's he's just that dog with its tail tucked between his legs. When yeah. he doesn't have all that energy going. So yeah. <laughs> he's just super nervous. Because he's, he's, he's sitting still for once. Mm-hmm. And she leans in and she kisses him softly. Mm-hmm. And I love this. That yes. he he dissolved with a resigned sigh. Scarlet gasped as Wolf buried one hand into her mess of curls and kissed her back. Oh, Yep. They're so cute. They're so sweet. And like... You know, and there's so many potential quotes on that last page. <laughs> I, had, yes. I had trouble sticking with my original quote, but I was like, no, that the quote that I picked really means something to me. But I, I love the quote of, you know, Wolf dissolved before her and a resigned sigh uh, brushing against 
her mouth. I loved that quote so much. Mm-hmm. Well, and like <laughs> you and I had talked about the song titles earlier when I was first trying to think of song titles. I was like going back to 15 year old me and I was like, ki- I was thinking like of Kiss Me. Cranberry. <laughs> was that Sixpence None the Richer? Yeah, Sixpence None the Richer. Yeah. yeah. And they uh, are beneath the Milky Twilight, right? Because it's nighttime and stuff. <laughs> oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even think of that. I was just thinking, I was like, no, I want to focus on something else in this chapter. Oh, now I really wish I had gone with this one. <laughs> yes. Well, we can still we can still put that on there. Let me add it to the list. Okay. Lovely patrons will get to vote on these and let us know what they think. And you get to vote, too, because you're a patron now. I know, but now I have to pick between my two. <laughs> so while we're at it, let's talk about our song titles. Mine was Treacherous by Taylor Swift, which is all about being nervous about taking the next step in a relationship and feeling like it's too soon, too fast, and like you should be more hesitant than you are. And yours, do you want to talk about yours other than Kiss Me? <laughs> yeah, other other than Kiss Me. So the one that I actually picked was The Writings on the Wall by Sam Smith. And I'll read you guys the chorus. So how do I live? How do I breathe? When you're not here, I'm suffocating. I want to feel love run through my blood. Tell me, is this where I give it all up? For you, I have to risk it all because the writing's on the wall. Like, I feel like this incorporates both Scarlet and Wolf and Scarlet and her grandmother. Like the writings on the wall, like she's having to come to grips with her grandmother. And then for you, I have to risk it all. She's risking it all for her grandmother. But Wolf is also like risking it all for her because he doesn't have to be helping her. He doesn't have to be doing this for her. And like, I don't know. I just feel like it really... If you listen to the whole song, like I feel like it represents them, all of yeah. them. Yeah, and I like that. And uh, mine's kind of like more representative of Wolf and Scarlet together because some of the lyrics that stand out to me is, I can't decide if it's a choice or getting swept away. I hear the sound of my own voice asking you to stay. Put your lips close to mine as long as they don't touch. Mm-hmm. I do anything. I'll do anything you say if you say it with your hands. I'd be smart to walk away, but your quicksands like so much of the lyrics in this song just resonate with some of the internal dialogue that Scarlett has been projecting to us as the reader throughout the whole. Oh, definitely. Um, book, but then especially in this chapter, especially in this chapter, she's been struggling with the desire to you know, be closer to Wolf in a more emotional and physical way and the desire to, like she said, it's trouble. She's always getting herself into trouble by rushing into things. And that makes me think of that quicksand line. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really excited to see what patrons pick for this one because I think I think either one would be good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think we had a good bunch. Yeah. And I like I like having multiple ones to choose from. So, yeah. So what was your quote for today? So it was the part that I had read earlier. So it was when um, Scarlet and Wolf were talking and Scarlet is just saying like they have the wrong person for Wolf. There was a particular restraint when Wolf responded. Are you sure they have? Like I had said earlier, for me, like it's so few words that he says, but with with them explaining like he had a peculiar restraint. 
So like he's more conscious of what he's saying and he is, there's a reason that he said that he's saying these words and it just, I feel like it has so much more meaning in just so few words than like a lot that else is going on. Yeah. And I really like the use of the words that he used because he didn't just say, are you sure? He said, are you sure they have? Yeah. And I think that that helps to narrow it down even more to what the focus is supposed to be on. Yes. Yeah. So my quote was from when they're coming down from the jump and they're kind of calming themselves down. Scarlet sat up, heat rushing to her face as she was struck with an almost irresistible yearning to crawl toward him, to be wrapped up against him, to feel warm and safe and content. That really resonated with me. My husband's in the military and he leaves sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that made me think of like so many times when he was gone or not within reach. And I felt like all I needed was a hug. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I can describe how painful it is when all you need is a hug and there's literally no one there. Yeah. No, I can, I can definitely understand that. My husband, my husband and I, we've been, we're coming up on our one year anniversary of getting married, but we've been together for 10 years going on this year. So, I mean, we've been together for a very, a very long time. And when we had first gotten together, he was, um, he drives a truck. That's his, that's his occupation. So he wasn't over the road, but he was working nights. So we were getting to where we wouldn't, we weren't seeing, we wouldn't see each other, even though we lived together because we just had opposing schedules. So when we had first gotten our dogs, we had had them crate trained. Well, that was when around the time that he started doing the night, he started working nights. And so my dogs were no longer crate trained because I needed, I needed, needed somebody in bed with me. Like I needed to have some kind of warmth. Absolutely. Because I didn't have him. So I can, I can completely understand like needing, needing some, someone needing something. It's funny that you say that because Quentin and I, Quentin and I have been 10 years next month. Really? No, this That's month. This true. is the month of April. So yeah, it is next month. It's April. So yeah, 10, 10 years. And we were married. We hit our seven year married mark in February. That's so funny because yeah, his and I, our, our wedding anniversary is April 13th. And then the anniversary for when we started dating, what, oh crap, my, when one year anniversary is this month. <laughs> I just said that. <laughs> so then our, yeah, I need to write a note. Bethany, write that down for me. Okay. Um, I'm going to text it to you right now. Exactly. So our, I believe the day we started dating, I can never remember because it was like the night of the 27th going on to the 28th. Like, I don't know. It was like around midnight. So like it could be one or the other, but it was like May 27th, May 28th. So I honestly don't remember the exact date. I just know it was sometime in April. Mm hmm. So, cause also it wasn't like, do you want to go steady? It was just like, we were friends and then all of a sudden we were more than that. And then it escalated from there. But yeah, his, his first deployment was less than a year after we got married and I had not made any friends in Nebraska yet, mm-hmm. uh, other than Scamp, our dog, 
who I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure the reason Quentin is Scamp's favorite is because of that deployment. I like smothered Scamp because he was the only living thing that could give me affection. Um, <laughs> like at one point I was so I was so like I don't know, lacking that my mom was like, well, I'll just come visit you. Like my mom legit came to my house and stayed there for two weeks and I didn't stop working. So that means that my mom basically spent all day reading books and hanging out with Scamp, which I'm sure made her perfectly happy. But (laughs) it's so hard when you when that's all that you want and all that you need. And, you know, for me, I always had friends and sisters. And I mean, my apartment, I used to live across the hall from two of my uh, guy friends. So, you know, even back then, you know, when I wasn't living with anyone, if I really felt like I needed human interaction or contact or something, I could walk across the hall. And I'm so grateful Quentin's not deployed right now because this whole self-isolation thing would be a nightmare. But I just, I really... Yeah, I felt I really felt that I felt that that desire. She just wanted to feel warm and safe and content. And he made her feel that way for the first time. And I'm assuming since her grandmother left. So or maybe even her whole life, because her grandmother doesn't seem the type to be physically affectionate. So maybe that's the first time she's ever been held by someone that made her feel warm and safe and content. And I understand that desire all too well. Yeah, no, I can I can completely understand that. And now I have to interject because I started I started clicking my pen and my dog thought it was the laser pointer. So now he's he came over to come sit by me and I forgot <laughs> to mention what his name is. Yes, tell us about yes. his name. And yes, it's serendipitous. My, it is serendipitous because he was born in 2011 before uh, Marissa had even come out with the Lunar Chronicles. But uh, my dog's name is Thorn because he is a pain in the side. So he's my little thorn in the <laughs> side. And he is, he is not as handsome as Carswell. But he is, he, is, he is a good boy most of the time. When he's not being a pain, oh, he's heavy. Oh. You know, Scamp's name is Scamp because he was a little <laughs> the first day we had him. <laughs> like, he was just and so mischievous. Yeah, he was so mischievous. And the whole day, I was we were trying to think of different names for him. And he's a brindle. So we were fixated on, like, finding a name that matched his colors. And the whole day, he would do something. And I was just like, you're such a little scamp. And we got towards the end of the day. And Quentin was like, what the hell does that word mean? And I was like, you know, it's like an adorable troublemaker. And so we decided that that was his name. And don't worry, he lives up to it every day. Right now, he's demanding to be let into the room so he can say his quote for the episode. <laughs> okay, Scamp. Is that Lady and the Tramp's son, like the sequel movie? Was that what their their son's name was? I feel like Scamp's no Big idea. Adventure. I feel like that's what the sequel was called. I have no idea. I can look it up. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up. It's Big Adventure, Lady and the Tramp 2. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Which came out in 2001, so several years before Scamp was born. Several. Several, because yeah. Scamp was born in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Beowulf, that was the name his original family gave him, and he was already eight months old, so we didn't change it. I think we should yeah. have, so that he wouldn't have that name association, but at the time we were trying to change as little as possible for him in hopes that it would be an e- easier transition, since yeah. he had such a traumatic upbringing before we got him 
I can't. I can't I, imagine that Beowulf is easy to yell though. Like when he's he in actually trouble. say Beo a lot or just Bay a Bay Bay. For us old schools who understand what a Bay Bay means. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think I would have named him Dopey because he's so cute and he's so sweet and he's so stupid. <laughs> but my husband would have named him Eeyore because unless he's a beagle lap, so unless he's smiling, he looks so sad. And he also cannot handle being in trouble. If he's okay. even remotely in trouble or if Scamp is in trouble and he's like nearby, he gets this look on his face that is just absolutely heartbreaking. Like it's literally you cannot stay mad at him because the way he looks is like it's literally like a hurt puppy. Like that's where that name comes from is Beowulf's face. Oh, geez. I'm going to have to send you some pictures of Thorn and all his glory. So yes. the others can see can see this dog that we're talking yes. about. So for this chapter, for chapter 23, there wasn't any tomatoes, gloves, or captains, but there were seven Easter eggs. Yes. There's a lot. And then next there's chapter... There's a lot of reveals in this chapter. There's a lot of reveals, yeah. There's a lot going on in general right now, which is why it's hard to do one episode at a time, or one chapter at a time, because I know I've had people that are like, why don't you do like 10 chapters at a time? Because we're an hour and 40 minutes in, and this was one chapter, so. <laughs> to be fair, though, like, I feel like we uh, tangented just there, just a you little bit. You know what, bit. though? I've done that before where I've cut out every single solitary tiny little tangent, and it'll still be, like, half an hour per chapter. So <laughs> it's just hard when we talk about each little scene, you know? Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe, and check out my Patreon for the Prince Kai Fan Pod at patreon.com slash Prince Kai Fan Pod, where you'll get all kinds of bonuses, and in the future, I probably recipes, because I think I am going to do that now. Yeah, no, I think that would be so, I think that would be so fun. Yeah, like, and we'll see, we'll see if we can find things that are, like, fairytale related, or. Ooh, like, that's a good idea, yes. Maybe I can try to find something that'll go with the book recommendation for that month, like a theme. Yeah. 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 I like this. I like this. We'll, fi- we'll figure this out. Patreon members are in the future, so they're kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah. What are you guys talking about? Because yeah. this episode also comes out two days before the first Patreon bonus episode will come out. I thought you said the bonus comes out first. No, the bonus episode is going to come out April 15th, and this episode is going to come out April 13th. I was wrong earlier. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This episode is going to come out on my wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yes. (laughs) Happy anniversary. You're a star. Yes. 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 Hopefully, hopefully I remember to get a present. (laughs) (laughs) It's paper, so go Pinterest crazy. Fair. For what I did for our first wedding anniversary, because it's paper, right? So I made little green hearts, because green is his favorite color. And on each heart, I wrote a different reason that I loved him. And then I framed it with a painted background. And at the top, I wrote, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Oh, you are sickeningly sweet. Oh, my God. I'm a hopeless (laughs) romantic. I am absolutely adorable. You have no idea. (laughs) I do. I met you in person. You're so cute and compact. (laughs) <laughs> I I did this thing like was it two months ago two or three months ago Quentin was going through like a really stressful time at work and he'd be coming home like every day it was just like worse and worse and worse and worse so what I did was 
I made all, I brought up a bunch of construction paper and I made all these tiny little cards and each card had like a different random saying. So like one of them, I drew a coffee cup and it said, words cannot espresso how much you mean to me. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> and one of, them, <laughs> one of them was like, it was two stick figure people and they were like holding hands, but they, they, they were trying to hold hands and they were reaching to each other. And then the one guy had like uh, uh, an eye mask on, like a bandana, and he had a heart in his hand. And I said, and it said, why are you running away with my heart or something like that? And I, I've like papered his, his card. Like there were like 20 of these and they all had different quotes and different. Um, one of them was donut worry, be happy. And I drew a donut. Oh my <laughs> and I even got like a little blue sparkled monkey that like, it's one of those where if you put it to, if you put the hands together, they stay together. Uh-huh. So I put that in his car around his seat. <laughs> so when he got off work, that's what he got to. And it took him, I hid some of them and I left some of them out in the open. So he, it took a couple weeks before he found all of them. Aw. <laughs> I'm adorable. <laughs> of course. Yes. It definitely yes. surprised him. <laughs> yes. No, I am, I, I will admit I am bad wife. So he always spoils me and he does so good. And he has to deal with the fact that my birthday is February 13th. So I get birthday and Valentine's back to back and he has always gotten me a separate gift and a separate card for Aww. my birthday. But then I, I never get him anything for Valentine's Day <laughs> because my brain is always like, it's my birthday. See, but- I'm like, I'm a very romantic person, but Quentin is very practical. He mm-hmm. wants gifts that are practical, useful. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I always try, like, Quentin is, like, 6'2", 200-some pounds. Like, he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And one of his least favorite things in the world is towels because they're never big enough. Uh-huh. So for Christmas this year, I got him these towels that are literally six and a half feet long and four feet wide. They're huge. Did you, get, did you get them from Costco? No, we don't have a Costco here. Oh, you poor baby. <laughs> I know. It breaks my heart. You have no idea. I miss Costco. One of the things you, we said you most ha- about. You can come visit me and I'll take you <laughs> on a Costco trip. <laughs> oh, if I, week. honestly, if I had known, I probably would have been like, I'm going to stay an extra day, babe. Morgan's going <laughs> to, I got to go shop at Costco. <laughs> well, what, once the, once the quarantine's over, you and Amy need to come, <laughs> come up, get out of town. <laughs> It'll be a good excuse. Yes, we need to escape and go, we'll visit you, and then we'll also go to Costco. <laughs> yes. yes. So I guess that's it for today. Next time, read chapter 24. Thank you for coming. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, I have to have a guest for every episode, and I only know a finite number of people, so you are probably going to come back for lots of episodes of Crest and Winter, and even Scarlet. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> So don't get glamoured. Don't get glamoured. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Morgan Clark. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening.
You are getting sleepy. Very sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. Right, my darling? Yes, dear. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. You will not dislodge the hose and blast air all about the bedroom. You will not wake me, your loving husband, who yearns for even a single night of uninterrupted slumber. Please. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. Inspire treats the root cause of sleep apnea inside your body. While you sleep, Inspire keeps your airway clear so you can breathe normally and rest comfortably. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com to learn more. Inspire, sleep apnea innovation. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.